Hey, we want to welcome everybody back to another great episode of the Daily Dose of Discomfort. I'm your co-host, Ryan. I'm Joel. And I'm Bob. And on today's episode, I'm going to talk about communication. Um, so let's just go ahead and start us out on that, Joel. Sure. Well, <clears throat> this whole year, I think, has been challenging and, and interesting, interesting as far as communication. So we've, we've all had to learn to communicate differently. I mean, us three right now, or normally we might be able to meet up in person. We're all on a Zoom call. And so uh, whether it be professionally or just with your personal relationships, communication can be, you know, a, a challenging thing, especially right now compared to where it has been. So it's when you bump into someone, um, just, just everyday life, it's how are you portraying yourself to them? How are you, how are you coming across to them? And just want to sort of dive into, you know, all the, the different layers of communication and, and how, how people perceive you in your everyday life. So Bobby, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious, man. What, give, give me some sciencey stuff right now on communication. Well, communication is kind of tough to to tear apart because there's the the language part of communication, so the the message that's being given um, and received, um, and the barriers that can um, pop up there, and then there's the nonverbal stuff, um, emotion, distraction, right? All that stuff we've kind of talked about before, um, but really, with if we break apart the language part and kind of understanding how people talk and how people um, perceive the other person's point of view. Really, there's two parts of the brain, um, Wernicke's area and Broca's area. Um, and weird names, but they're just for the people that discovered them, um, usually through like strokes or damage that occurred. Um, and so Wernicke's area is receiving information. So when somebody, like when you guys are talking to me, Wernicke's area is receiving that information. Um, and then there's a track of nerves that go to Broca's area when I'm ready to speak. And Broca's area is me expressing, right? So it's me pulling the right word out, um, using the fine motor skills to be able to enunciate my words um, or write them down, that kind of thing. Uh, and so from a clinical standpoint, what I see in long-term care with people who have, have strokes or maybe dementia that affect one of those parts of the brain um, with Wernicke's area, they can still talk, right? The motor skills still going. Um, but what occurs is it's it's almost like they call it word salad, where a sentence might be, you know, the plant over by the baseball bat is going to the theater to discover um, how to make gold. It sounds like they know what they're talking about, but if you actually listen to it, it makes no sense. Um, whereas somebody who has damage to the Broca's area um, deals with, they kind of know what they want to say, um, but they can't come up with the right word. So it's it's kind of like when you can't find the right word to say and you just kind of get stuck, except every word is like that. Um, so they go to communicate, they know what they want to say, but they just can't get it out. Um, and people with Broca's aphasia can understand you. Um, but they can't express it. And so they get depressed um, more so than somebody with Wernicke's who they think they're saying the right thing. Everything seems normal to them, but it doesn't translate in reality. Um, and then there's some other 
types of aphasia and stuff. So why do I really bring this up? It seems kind of like it's out, you know, on a different corner of the topic. It doesn't really apply to what Joel's saying. Um, but I think it's important to understand the basics there so that we can understand, you know, even physiologically, we have two parts to communication, at least from a language perspective. perspective. Um, and we have to understand what the other person's saying, think about it for a little bit, and then express what we're trying to say. Um, and barriers can kind of pop up in either of those two main parts, right? Are we getting the right uh, message? And then are we sending the right message? And did they understand that message when they got it, right? So it's a kind of like a cycle. So, so I want to ask and, and just see if, if you've got some understanding of this maybe. Um, so somebody like me, I, I suffer from ADHD. So I'll, I'll have a train of thought going for a while and then I can just lose it mid-sentence. You know, what, what, what might be the cause of something like that, maybe in your opinion or through your research? Well, I mean, that, that sounds ultimately like distraction, right? Okay. Um, ADHD, you're just not able to kind of stay in line and, and keep your train of thought and really focus on what the other person's saying. Um, and so this is really important because, you know, people with ADHD still potentially want to go into the medical field or they want to deal um, or go into a, a job where communication is really important because turns out communication is important in, in most things. So one of the ways that like when I'm talking to either a student or to a professional or to a patient, if I explain something to them, I want to make sure that they understand it. So I want them to repeat it back to me. You know, what did I just say? But tell me in your own words. Um, and so, so it, it, not to interrupt, but it, so is there, is there a way for someone like, like, like Ryan, or maybe, you know, you struggle communicating with other people. Is there a way to sort of, uh, practice at that, get better at that? Is that something that you can be intentional with to to improve upon? Yeah, so I think when when you're trying to understand what somebody else is saying, you want to take what they're saying, process it for a second, and then exp- basically try and take their opinion, even if you don't agree with it or whatever, and restate it back to them so that they can confirm it. So Joel's talking and I respond to him and I, I just basically summarize in my own words, what you said, you confirm it. And then now I have an understanding and I can put my opinion back to you. Okay. And, and listening comes into place with that too. So if you're speaking rather than me just waiting for you to finish so that I can say my point, it'd be important for me to, be intentional about listening to you, processing what you're saying, and then responding to what you're saying rather than just essentially, you know, waiting for my turn, like waiting for you to be done. I want you to finish so that I can say what I want to say. And so I want to piggyback on that for a second, just into what we were talking about last week with the distraction. So in doing that, if I'm just planning my rebuttal, um, I'm probably, you know, taking the aspect of how much of my, my, mental capacity, I'm, I'm splitting it up now, I'm multitasking, so I'm not going to be truly focused in doing one or the other, which is going to make me less effective overall at communicating to begin with. I mean, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I think between the two of you, you got it nailed, right? You want to make sure that you take what they're saying, 
repeat it back to them. Um, so you're not thinking about how you're going to respond. You're thinking about what they're saying. Once they agree with it, now you understand it. They know that you understand it and you can have a dialogue. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen on social media, somebody will make a post and then somebody will respond to it down below and it's their opinion. And then the next thing has nothing to do with that, what that person said. It has to do with kind of the original argument. There's no conversation actually going on, right? There's a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of discussion, but it's not a conversation because nobody's actually talking to each other. They're just, you know, verbal diarrhea, all of what they think. Right. They're not responding to the actual topic at hand. They're, they're just, they're just like, all right, well, you said what you want to say. Now here's what I'm going to say. And when there's not an actual common ground, there's no, there's no actual forward progress with that. Right. Yeah. In the medical field, if I take an order from a doctor, um, the doctor, will, I'll, I'll explain what's going on with the patient. The doctor will say, okay, um, here's a medication. Maybe it's four milligrams of morphine, IM, Q6 hours, PRN for pain, right? And that just basically means give them this medication at this time, uh, this frequently. Um, and I need to take that and write it onto a paper or maybe type it into a computer so that I can give that medication. Well, that's really important because if I give the wrong thing or the wrong dose or maybe the wrong frequency, that's going to really negatively potentially affect my patient. So what I do is after the physician tells me the order, I'll repeat it back to them. They confirm it. And then the message has been delivered, received, and confirmed. And that last confirmation step is important. And so I'll go ahead and um, write in the note, T-O-R-B, telephone order, read back, right? And that covers me and lets people know that I read it back to them and confirmed what that order was. So I think that could be useful in day-to-day conversation, especially if there's an argument um, or, you know, critical information being passed back and forth. Take what yeah, they're think, saying. Think about back. how much we could grow both personally and professionally if we if we really took the time to to listen to people and, and make it a point to be more intentional about, you know, d- d- not assuming that we that we are always right or that we know what's best. Taking being intentional about listening to other people, really trying to communicate, trying to not only listen to their opinion, but do a better job of sharing our opinion. Which makes me kind of curious. I mean, now that so much of our interactions, especially today in a COVID world, where everything is just done so much more online rather than face-to-face, and especially in the format of text, like we were talking about, somebody posts something up, now now the reply is really just you know their opinion lathered on top of it and, and a continuation of that. Is that not in one way or another kind of conditioning us to to speak like this, which could overall have like a long-term effect on the way that we communicate with each other? Well, I, I think really what it hopefully makes us do is get better at communicating via text, right? If, if I'm sending an email, like I think about when I sent emails in high school or even in college, I probably sent some emails that could have been read inappropriately or maybe like not convey what I'm trying to say as well because people are going to read what they what they think I'm thinking into it whether that's true or not right so the kind of the nonverbals or the 
the dialogue we could have had to like clarify or maybe the tone um, of my voice or visual right, cues might, might change things. Yeah, What's up? To- tonality seems to, to be an important thing. I remember, you know, if you're texting and you take it out of in your perceived context, you, you read it like, oh, well, they were they, they sent this aggressively or they sent this meaning this way where it could have been lighthearted or a joke or, you know, something like that. And then so you I'm, but we've all gotten better at that, I think the tonality of our text and, and you know some of that is like with things like emojis or 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 just an, a general understanding of it but i think that's important too yeah emojis used to be taboo right it used to be like this cute little thing that you would do in ims or something but it was you would never send it in a business letter no they, they've become they've become almost almost essential i would say or, or at least they've been they've been incorporated as just sort of a commonplace way of communicating and speaking now yeah and i think that's part of the you know we're we're still learning as a society as a culture uh, what the best way to do things are as we kind of get new platforms to communicate through and so it's you know we're just gonna i think eventually get better as a society or as a culture we'll set up maybe rules for communication, whether they're formal or informal, um, that help us kind of navigate through the new systems. You think something like that, you know, in a time like where we're at could maybe give you some visual cues, things that you would normally read off of somebody's body language that you're no longer able to take in a, a format of text. I guess I could see, you know, doing an emoji or something is at least lending some credence to this is a playful message versus this is something that's sent in anger. If they had, you know, maybe a, a goofy emoji or uh, right now memes, that, that, that's another great way to send some stuff. Even, even in my business, you know, they communicate somewhat through memes. So, Yeah, it's, it's difficult, you know, from a professional lens to figure out what's right and what's, what's not right, right? I don't want to send something sarcastic that's going to be taken wrongly by somebody that I don't know. Um, but if I have a rapport with somebody and maybe we have those internal, um, I guess, common ground or whatever, um, it might m- make more sense. But you never want to send something that you're not sure how the other party's going to take it because it can kind of end. And that, and that goes back to being more intentional w- with the communication. So it, it's good for everyone, I think, to slow down a little bit before you send something, especially if it is maybe over a sensitive subject um, and just taking, taking more time. And, and just in that sense, don't send things in anger. You know, if you're, if you're upset in the same way where you'd watch your words, watch your email, watch your text, you know, stop, think about it for a second, reread it, you know, consider how that might feel or, or sound if, if it was sent to you. So it's good to slow down a little bit. You know, don't obviously never never speak in anger, but also don't don't text or or email in anger. And I think it's important, like you said, to be intentional and give the feedback. If you receive an email and it's got an important message on it, you want to respond to it. <laughs> don't don't leave somebody on red in the business world, right? Right. Make sure that you communicate back. Hey, I got this message. This is what I got. You know, I'm moving forward with it, or maybe you're not. You know, I understand your concern, but at this time, it's not an appropriate thing to do, you know, whatever. Or but, if it's if it's maybe a, a very long message, 
and maybe you're not in a in a position maybe you're busy you're not in a position to respond to it thoughtfully send a quick message hey uh you know i'm busy right now i can't respond to this right now but uh give me give me an hour or two i'll, I'll take a chance to really process this dig into it and, and, I'll, and i'll give you some feedback on this yeah good so it's it's using that empathy that we talked about earlier in this digital kind of mindset right how i want to empathize and and feel what they're feeling maybe it's apprehension if it's an important email or it's you know something where their job maybe depends on it so that they're not over there being anxious stressed out about something because there's no response right which as we all know empathy comes really easily to me you know that's just something i'm just overflowing with so that's not something that i need to work on of course but yeah, so that's sarcasm that would be lost in an email right there. Exactly. And it might even be lost over a podcast in case anybody was listening and wondering. <laughs> I, I think it's also important on the tail end of that, if you're the one that's receiving the message and maybe you're not fully understanding the context or you know the, the emotions that are being displayed through that, don't, don't be afraid to, to, to message back and try to get somebody's true intention before maybe you do misconstrue a message. Um, because I, I know there's been many instances in, in my life, somebody sent me a text where maybe I thought they were speaking in anger. I didn't fully understand, you know, the implications of three periods at the end of the sentence. I thought that maybe that was, you know, a negative thing. You were being sarcastic or whatnot. And, and now that's just my own inadequacies in, in reading it, uh, my own inadequacies in the comprehension of it. So once I, do- I dove in a little bit more, I realized, no, 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 this is just we're wanting a continuation of this. So understand not everybody speaks the way that you speak. So you might take something a little bit differently, and before you react, get the full context of it you know, from the person that you're interacting with. That is a generational thing. Holy cow. And we're kind of sandwiched right in the middle, right? Our, uh, I guess you call us millennials, right? Um, we have the older generation um, where their communication seems to often be more formal. And then you have the younger generation where it's online speak um, a lot of times. And so there might be some um, acronyms or some, you know, verbal words that they or uh, online words that they use that might be lost on you. So clarification, once again, right? If I can't respond back with what they're saying, then I don't understand it. So I need to get clarification. And that's sort of to what we were saying about sort of getting your reps in. Like it's good to practice essentially talking to people, communicating with people, ask, you know, ask questions, not from a standpoint of you don't really care or want to hear the answer, but you, you actually want to learn, understand and grow, you know, personally help you understand that person better. So be, be intentional about trying to communicate with people and trying to learn from them. Yeah. And that's, uh, I think we talked about it with empathy, but the, uh, the cortical thickness or the, the brain region that's associated with empathy, the more you practice it, the bigger that area gets, the thicker it gets. So the more neurons that you're allocating to that function. So it's kind of the same idea here, right? We're trying to be empathetic through a different platform. So there's a learning curve, but as you practice it and get better, you develop more kind of synapses or connections there to get better at it. So practice is key. 
So it's like working out for your brain. Just the more you're talking to somebody, the more that you're even attempting it, the the, the stronger you're going to get at it. So somebody like me that's, you know, kind of um, not very great, you know, with new interactions with people, it's important to just keep getting those interactions, and then you will inevitably get better the more that you do it. So you can literally learn to care more. Is that is that what you're saying? 100%. That's wild. Yeah, it's it's really hard being a new nurse um, and empathizing with your patient because you might have read about the disease in a textbook, but you haven't experienced somebody going through it, or maybe you haven't had personal experiences that kind of can be reflected on it. So as you go through life and you experience more experiences and you come in contact with more people who are going through things, you start to learn and, and pretty much predict what they're going to see. Um, and you get a better idea of what their, what their viewpoint is going to be. Um, so you can empathize with them better, right? You can understand what their needs are going to be. You can understand um, what their future needs will be. So you can prep them and get them ready, take away that apprehension. Um, so it's kind of the same way with this tech, right? The more we understand each generation or maybe each individual person's um, context, like where they sit, um, in the world and kind of what they're looking at and what's important to them, their values, the better we'll be at communicating. Yeah. And, uh, so I guess to sort of branch off of that, uh, communication during times of stress. So, so you've taken communication, which can be a difficult thing. And then you're adding in an extra element of stress to that. Um, you know, how, how can that, how can that change know how how you're perceived and i think that's important too is to what i said earlier just about sort of allowing yourself to calm down or slow down before you either either maybe speak in anger or or speak even just from a moment of stress that's very just very important to to just slow down consider your words consider your text consider your emails yeah i I think it's important to to kind of do that self-check before you hit send, right? What's my heart rate doing? All right, go back, think about your body. Think about, you know, how is my brain processing this right now? Um, am I in fight or flight? Am I going to send something that's emotionally charged? Or do I need to take a break, reflect, take a deep breath, get a drink, go for a walk, whatever, come back. Okay, reread it looks good. I'm, I'm no longer using my amygdala. I'm using that kind of higher level cognition and, and being a more, a little more analytical about it. Especially uh, in a profession like I, as in you're in the medical field, you know, if you're maybe it's a, it's a busy night, you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed. I mean, communication becomes more and more important, uh, you know, with pr- making sure people are getting the proper medications, the proper treatment, things like that, you know, people are being attended to in, in the best uh, best order that's possible or the people who are most needing of it. I mean, it just becomes more and more important depending on your profession, I think. Yeah. And I think right now, you know, outside of the medical professional, if, if you work in business um, or sales or something like that, right now, well, everybody's trying to get their last minute Christmas gifts. Um, add to that, that it's, you know, in-person shopping is limited. So imagine working for like FedEx or UPS or UP- USPS, it's got to be insane, right? You have so many people that need something and you're just trying to do your job. 
but then you're also probably getting communication from, you know, your boss, um, customers, whatever. Um, it's important. Communication's important, but it can be overwhelming at times. Yeah. Um, and that's where the empathy thing comes in too, you know, T- take it easy on these poor guys right now. Um, you know, like we, we have obviously a lot of packages delivered as I'm sure, you know, many, many people are, but you know, we, I didn't do this, uh, but we have a, uh, little like basket out front, you know, for, uh, got some drinks and snacks and things like that for the delivery drivers. You know, if you can help someone out right now, especially when you know they're dealing with, uh, levels of high stress, high workloads, you know, give, give people a break if you can help, help people out if you can. Yeah. Those little things make, make the world better. Um, one little tiny thing that you do to make somebody else's life better, that kind of paying it forward idea, right? right? If, if everybody does that, um, even though you're maybe a tiny little speck, you know, on a tiny little rock that's floating through this infinite space, it might seem like, you know, what's the point, but the point is you're making somebody else's life better, which is ultimately going to make the world better. Well, and that's a form of communication too. I mean, you're communicating to these people that you care about them. It, it's nonverbal, but nonetheless, the message is delivered just by that simple little act. So I, I think that's that's a beautiful way to do some stuff. That's a beautiful way to end this. You know, let's let's practice better ways to communicate verbally. Um, you know, through through personal interactions or it, it, writing it out, um, or even nonverbally, just by leaving something you know nice for a delivery driver. I think that's that's a, a a great time right now in Christmas to do something like that. So great information too, really really gives us some stuff to think about and some some actionable um, ideas that we can start to put into practice today. So I appreciate everybody joining us on another great episode, and um, join us again next week when we get together and talk about something to help improve our lives. Have a good one, everybody. Adios.